Hello everyone, welcome to Weekly Wholesome Words with Pastor Josh. It's a privilege to be able to get into the scriptures with you and we've been looking at the issue of reign in life and that terminology, that expression comes from Romans chapter 5 about what we covered thus far is looking at really the concepts, the the details and the, the, the groundwork for that expression stem forth from Romans chapter 1 which goes back all the way to David. And we saw there in 2 Samuel chapter 7, if you would like to turn there, um, the issue of the, the fundamental details of the Davidic covenant. And it's way back in the, the scriptures of the prophets. Uh, historically, obviously, it's with David. Uh, David functioned as a prophet in different, uh, different manners. But if you see the whole issue there, verse 12 of 2 Samuel 7, and when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. And again, there's two basic things there. That's the issue of the throne and kingdom and the issue of it being established forever. Obviously, again, that didn't take place with Solomon as they're under the old covenant, the law at this point, the way in which it's going to get established forever. It did get established, but not forever. Um, and that kingdom was made by hands. God has a kingdom that's made without hands. He made it himself. It's up there in the heavenly places. That is the pattern in which Moses built upon the tabernacle and the temple, and, uh, and obviously Solomon with the, the temple and things like that. Um, but there's a kingdom in heaven that is made without hands. God made it himself that is going to come down uh, here on this earth, and it's going to be established forever. Well, those concepts of a throne and a kingdom and the, and the issue of the establishment of it forever or the issue of eternity is what Paul introduces in his gospel in Romans chapter 1 and that he separated unto. And there's a reason why it's called the gospel of God uh, that we could get into more detail regarding that. Um, but just for time's sake, we, we won't. And the way in which it's going to be established forever and the way in which he's going to have his nation Israel to um, be a part of it is through the instrumentality of the New Testament providing a spiritual fitness providing perfect justification for them and perfect sanctification for them and those are the things that Paul's ministering to us and he's going to uh, give further information in regards to not a kingdom on this earth but a kingdom in the heavenly places and the issue of eternal life is the, the first component of all that. And we've looked at those type of things already in the previous uh, weekly wholesome words, the last two weeks. And we've been we focused on Romans chapter 5 there where we have that expression as we've received the atonement. We therefore have received the much more assurance of our salvation. But we've also read the much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We won't only partake in a reign of life, but we will actually, we can partake in a reign in life. We'll, we'll be in life, but there's an issue of being able to reign 
in life by one Jesus Christ. And his abundance of grace is able to abound in the details of our life. And the way in which it's already abounded is through the new identity that he's given us. Um, in fact, that's the way in which his abundance of grace is going to abound. It's going to abound in what his grace provided for us in regards to sanctification, a new identity in Christ, being dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. The, the capacity, therefore, to restrain sin in our life, live unto him, and our life unto him is for a particular purpose that his abundance of grace has for us. Look at Romans chapter 6. He says, what shall we say then? Verse 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He can have grace abound apart from continuing in sin. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. If you jump all the, I'll keep going on. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's what we've now, who we now become in Christ, being at one with Christ. We have a new identity, one that needs to be reckoned, because it's it needs to be reckoned because our experience, our feelings are going to try to dictate otherwise. They're going to try to tell us we're not dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. They're going to try to tell us the very opposite, that we're alive unto sin and dead unto God. But by faith, by what, as he saw there, we believe also that we should live with him. And since we believe that we are dead with Christ, by faith, we need to reckon our new identity to be so. But this new identity that he's given us is designed and has the capacity and the capability to work out and participate in more of his grace, utilize the accessibility that we have to this abundance of grace for the purpose to not obtain and achieve life. We get that without any works. But the capacity to apprehend what he's apprehended us for, and that is the issue of terrain in life by one, Jesus Christ. And as we participate and reckon who he's made us to be in Christ and yield ourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto God and therefore bring forth that fruit that is unto holiness. That fruit is going to be a specific man, uh, that, that fruit's going to have a specific purpose attached to it. And notice as he goes on there in chapter 6, he says, verse 22, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Now this issue of holiness again it stems from what he dealt with there in Romans chapter 1. Look at Romans chapter 1 and look at verse 4. and Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And He says in verse 4, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. The The... the the essential operating thing taking place in the mind 
is a, is a spirit, the spirit of holiness. That's the power that the Son of God has. That's, that's the power he's with. And it's in accord with not the power to split the Red Sea. It's in accord with the spirit of holiness. The power is to make one holy and also what that one who is holy produce, holiness. And those details, folks, of that holiness are set forth in a document in the Old Testament, in the prophets. Go with me to Jeremiah 31. Look at this. Jeremiah 31, 31. Obviously, this covenant is made with the nation of Israel. But again, as I mentioned last week, you have to be able to understand that even though um, you have to understand the benefits of covet can reach and extend to those whom in which it's not given to, just like the law. The law was given to those who are under the law that all the world may become guilty before God. That benefit of the not, it's not really a benefit, but that, that uh, activity of the law which was given to Israel regarding the knowledge of sin and that no flesh by it could be justified, extended to the world and made the world guilty before God as well. Same is true with the new covenant, the New Testament. It's not given to us, but Paul says we're an, he's an able minister of it. He's ministering the spiritual things of the New Testament. With that being said, look at the details of this. Look at verse 33. It says, not according to that, which the, uh, according to the covenant he made with, the, with uh, the, uh, uh, Israel's fathers when they came out of the land of Egypt, the covenant they break. But look at verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward heart, parts and write it in their hearts and their and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now, that's my understanding. The spirit of holiness and the ultimate objective is to put the, his law in their inward parts, write it in their hearts, be their God, be, and, and they be his people. And provide a knowledge of the Lord, which would ultimately also include a least of them and a greatest of them. And that hinges upon them, God forgiving their iniquity and remembering it, their sin no more. Well, in Romans chapters 1 through 5, we've dealt with the issue of the forgiveness of our iniquity and, and God's remembrance of it no more. And therefore provi providing for us eternal life. But now as we deal with sanctification, these are details that we're getting in a tailor-made form with the Apostle Paul in his gospel to us Gentiles. And the issue of I will put my law in their inward parts, it's not the law of Moses. And because and this, this covenant is not according to the covenant that he made with his, their fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt, which they break. It's a different law. And, or, or a change of the law, you could also talk about it as. And write it in their hearts, and be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man uh, his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. And therefore there's going to be an intimacy of fellowship. But not only that, but what's going to be produced from this inward operation that God's going on is going to be a fruit, is going to be fruit and it's that fruit that is going to be unto holiness. What pleases and delights God. Not only is righteous, but it, 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 he accepts it and it's completely delightful to him. And it's, it's that fruit and the end of it is everlasting life. And folks, what I want you to see is God has made it in regards to this fruit. The end of it is everlasting life. 
This fruit is components and aspects and, and uh, skills that correlate with reigning. And in fact, when you bring up this, this when, you, when you're looking at the document of the Spirit of Holiness here in Jeremiah 31, and you see from the least of them unto the greatest of them, when you talk about that greatest concept, when you, when you look back at the, at the way in which Israel's, what Israel's supposed to be in God's plan and purpose with her to be a great nation, that is a nation to rule and reign over the Gentiles. Just like before God separated Abram from the land of Chaldees, what's going on over in that land, the Tower of Babel with Nimrod, who had a great kingdom. And its power and its influence reached the entire earth. And when it comes to knowing the Lord, it's going to provide that knowledge of the Lord and the knowing him concept and knowing what he wants from you if you participate you'll be great in Israel's kingdom I'm not talking about you I'm talking about in this specific context we'll bring it over to what Paul's saying or you'll be least of them in fact look at this with me Come with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Well, let's look here at um, verse 17 of chapter 5. Sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law and the prophets. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, who is now come, and he's teaching those who have been baptized with the baptism uh, of John, and he's teaching them things of the kingdom. He's teaching them um, uh, knowledge in regards to what, in, in contrast to the Pharisaical system, the vain religious system in Israel, in contrast to that, he's given them knowledge. He's given them some doctrine to know the Lord. And they have some fundamental knowledge that they all have to know the Lord, but then there's further advanced issues that they're going to participate in and come to know and therefore know the Lord through it. And look what he says here, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall not shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's, that's coming right from that spirit of holiness and everything that he's dealing with here is, is, is holiness. It's, 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 in the, it's, it's a separation. It's, it's unique and distinct from the vain religious system in Israel at this time. Think not, think not that I had come to destroy the law or the prophets. Why, why would they think that? They'd think that because that's what they're being taught to think. And he's correcting it. Notice again, the, the least and the great concept based upon the keeping or breaking of these commandments. 
And the knowledge that the Lord's giving them here provides for them either to be called least in the kingdom or greatest in the kingdom. And you can talk about what that great is, but that great is epitomized with the disciples and with the apostles reigning on 12 thrones. And there's other positions of authority that can take place in the kingdom. I bring that all up, folks, to talk about there is a parallel issue, not exactly the same. Do not get me wrong. But a parallel issue for us, the church of the body of Christ, which, by the way, that body of Christ issue doesn't even come up until Romans 12. He sent forth all those things. We're going to be doing them in the realm of the body of Christ. But this fruit on the holiness, that's what it's geared towards. It's involved in the components, the skills, and the details that need to be had in regards to reigning. And that's why it's going to be the end of his everlasting life. Reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now that can't get be done. That can't get done by the law, as Paul says there in Romans chapter six, verse fourteen, and teaches all the way through to chapter seven, and chapter eight he teaches how grace operates and how the Spirit operates and how we walk after the Spirit, and therefore know that this fruit that we're going to produce is of the Spirit, from the Spirit, and therefore producing the fruit of the Spirit. And then he's going to go along, and and deal with that we are the sons of God, led by the Spirit of God. We receive not the spirit of bondage and fear, but that receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And he's going to go along and talk about we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And by the time you get to hear the Romans chapter 8, folks, you should already know what those things are. And that's what we'll do next week. Until then, look up. <laughs>